let's get it Radically smaller commerce, you wanna test AB On your BDP, pump up that AOV And your B2C, do the 301, avoid the 404 Boost your SEO, get people to the store Got the latest stack, headless, you react You want that seamless customer experience attack Live shopping social, set up your syndication Be relevant, that's our recommendation Radical Smarter Commerce is a podcast presented by Aptus with focus on smarter commerce and merchandising. We will talk about trends, new technology, and the importance of being relevant. We will do this by interviewing exciting guests to be inspired by their success stories and insights. And I'm your host, Thomas Sjöberg, and I will be joined by different colleagues here at Aptus depending on topic and guest. Welcome to another episode of the Radically Smarter Commerce podcast. And uh, today I'm all alone, no co-host today, but soon I will be joined by Philip Lindvall at Columbus and we will talk about composable commerce. Today I am very happy to have Philip Lindvall from Columbus here as a guest at Radical Smart Commerce. So welcome, Philip. Thank you. Happy to be here. And... Uh, Today we're going to talk about composable commerce, what, what that is and uh, what you need to think about when you want to apply this approach to your e-commerce stack and e-commerce solutions. But before that, Philip, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes, my name is Philip Lindvall and I'm the head of sales for Columbus Commerce in Sweden. I've been with Columbus for almost eight years. Uh, I'm the father of three and recently moved down from Stockholm to the southern part of Sweden uh, to, to uh, have a house and a garden, which is uh, really nice now when it starts to become summer. So that's short about me. Uh, you mentioned Columbus, uh, where you work. Could you just tell us a little bit about Columbus, uh, what you do and where, you're, where you are in the world? Yeah, so Columbus is a global company, but the headquarters is in Denmark. Uh, we have around 2,000 employees and we work in everything uh, related to uh, digitalization and, and uh, IT systems for, for larger companies. Everything from ERP, business systems, business intelligence, data and analytics and of course uh, the digital commerce part that I represent. All right. There are many different words around commerce nowadays that are kind of new. We have in previous episodes talked about headless commerce. Uh, sometimes maybe you hear modern commerce. Another world that is out there is composable commerce. So what do we mean when we talk about that, uh, would you say, Philip? It's a really good question. And it's a question that we have been asking ourselves uh, quite, quite a lot uh, since uh, Gartner introduced this composable commerce buzzword. We have been talking about headless for quite some time. Uh, we know that microservices was quite early on uh, a topic that, that um, was introduced uh, by commerce tools, for example, the, the Mac architecture. But it's first now that we really see that, that we can talk about it with our customers and we can really see that we have the, the knowledge to build this type of architecture for our customers. So, I think that we have landed a little bit in, in talking about modern commerce, a modern way of building uh, commerce architecture. And composable commerce is, is a part of that. And co the composable part is that you can actually, uh, you, have, you have such a decoupled architecture that you can pick and choose pretty much anything. You can, you can cherry pick the best functionality from several technologies and, and package that into a service for your customer at, at that point in time. When, when we see that the, the consumer behavior changes, uh, which can change quite quickly, especially now during the, the pandemic, 
uh, you can easily uh, compose a new type of service or a new type of sales channel. So that, that's the composable uh, way. And then of course we have the, the, the subdomains of this, the Mac architecture, you have the Jamstack and all these other technology related buzzwords or, or, or uh, abbreviations. Yeah, sure. But if we look at it on a high level, is it correct that there is two main choices here? One is to buy an all-in-one suite that has all different parts, and the other one is sort of pick and choose about from, from different pieces and put this composable commerce thing together. Is that what the world looks like now, or isn't it uh, that easy? Depends on who you're asking. Uh, if you ask a, a, a supplier of a headless technology or a composable technology, there's definitely this old uh, monolithic demon that you should avoid at any price. Or, and if you have it, you should move away as quickly as possible. <laughs> <laughs> But, but uh, a part of this whole um, debate is also that a lot of these companies that are called monolithic, they are talking headless as well because they see that they need to move towards a more headless or decoupled or composable approach to, be, to stay relevant in this new, new landscape. Uh, we have some pure players like Commerce Tools and others that, that really was, was really one of the first movers. But then we have the other ones like uh, Episerver, Lithium, Sapcommerce, uh, Intershop that really built everything into one. Uh, and we see now that they are starting to loosen up the connections so that you can purchase a part of the system. So, so they are moving away from that. But the companies that already have a monolith, uh, usually companies don't just have a monolith. They have a hybrid solution. Mm. And I think that the hybrid solution is the way to go forward as well because you can choose the package or the monolith uh, if that suits you and your business and it's a good price for it and it works for you. And then you choose a few additional parts. The whole point of Composable from most companies is that you need to think that you need to be flexible and future-proof. So whatever solution you choose, it should be easy to maintain, but also easy to replace parts, mm. even though you have actually chosen a, a monolith as a package. I mean, you as a partner, I guess you work with a lot of different platforms. Some of them will be these suites or monoliths or what we want to call them. And, and then you're also working in the composable commerce space. So if a, com if a company comes to you and want help with their sort of replatforming or also when it comes to e-commerce what do you consider when you advise them what to do since sort of you're working with both of these worlds today yeah i think that uh, the most important thing is to really focus on the customer uh, this is this is uh, gets always too technical <laughs> and it's uh, that's uh, not good for me since i'm not very technical but uh, focus on the customer and, and the business. What do you want to give your customer uh, in, in, in terms of customer experience? You, you need to make a, a plan for how you want to make the best customer journey that you can, can uh, make. And then you need to see, okay, what systems do we have? Uh, and what, what business processes do we have? And what do we need to add to really create this uh, customer journey? And then we need to create a roadmap to step-by-step step build towards that. Um, there, there are very few companies today that can say, okay, we rip everything out and replace it with a full stack of modern commerce technology. 
some companies might do it, new started companies might do it, but for most of the companies, especially maybe B2B companies, you need to do what Gartner says, it's to strangle the monolith and you do that in very small parts and each part can actually be quite valuable for your customer. Mm. So it's not a, a two, three year technical project and then you can start adding customer value. You can start adding customer value from, from basically day one as long as you're building towards this architecture that you have in, in your vision and your roadmap. And, and that's how you, you can uh, have the sustainable part of this that you need to sustain your business you have your business processes that also need to change when you change the te technology uh, so it needs to be a step-by-step -step approach and, and that's something that we see now that we no longer get these huge RFPs that where the company want to do a, a 10,000 hour project it's more that we start the dialogue we start with some expertise and some advisory and we work, work towards something uh, together and, and continuously ramp up our business with the customer instead of doing this big bang project uh, from start. So, so that's, that's the approach. So of customers that wants to take this step-by-step -step approach uh, and maybe change a part of uh, their stack, what, what kind of solutions is the most common ones that you replace today? It's really, really different. Um, the, the first uh, you need to do is really to try to uh, purify the architecture a little bit, if you, can, if you can say it like that. And sometimes it's that you need to look into, okay, we, we, we want to work with our content. Okay, where do you have your content? It's in the, CM, the web CMS, it's in the PIM, it's in the ERP, it's in the blog, it's in the printed material. Okay. Then we, we consolidate all of that content maybe into, into one place because then you get less dependent in each of the other channels. And then all of a sudden you're not dependent on your CMS. Then you, you see that you can actually change your CMS. Or maybe we also see that you don't need to change the CMS because that's not the, the, the head anymore. Mm. It, that's just a place where you show things. And, and from the, this content platform, there's where you actually produce and publish the content. Okay. Uh, and, and we see actually several uh, of our customers that they keep the CMS because they remove some of the logic from that and put it into another platform that is a more modern platform and, and build more like an uh, API layer or, or something like that. So it's actually uh, quite interesting that it's more reusage than I expected when, when starting talking about this. Okay. I mean, if you would like to um, build your e-commerce from scratch and uh, with this composable commerce approach, wh what are the different parts that you need to compose together in order to get a, a full-fledged working e-commerce solution that is rich? What are the bits and pieces here? That's a, that's a big question. <laughs> okay. uh, I would say, it, of course, it depends on, on the type of business that you have. Mm. Uh, it would be completely different maybe for a B2B company and a B2C company, where a B2B company work a lot with more complex products. It's not that in, intensive when it comes to selling products. It's more maybe around the portal. And the portal requires different things than an e-commerce shop. Uh, a, a big e-tailer or retailer need super high performance, the latest technology to really give that extra customer experience uh, that your competitors uh, doesn't have. 
so so that really affects what architecture you need to to establish uh, but of course also you need to look what what gives you most bang for the buck this this composable architecture if you go full composable it, it requires quite a lot from you as a company as well uh, because you need to really make sure that this architecture works and everything is put together in a good way and it that it actually works so for for a lot of companies that don't have this tech tech capabilities maybe it's it's a, it's a tough way to go and therefore I, I see that most companies might choose a hybrid approach uh, where you have more package solution for some part and some best of breed for, for some parts. Uh, but of course, all the, all the things that you need is, is uh, you, mean, you need to store the customer data somewhere, you need to have the uh, product data somewhere, you need to have the order management and so on and so on and so on. Uh, and and um, when you create that map, you can see, okay, we have this uh, uh, technology already okay it covers these parts and then we we have this and it covers these parts okay then we have a gap here we need to have something for for the customer data maybe and then you can put that in so so it's it's a matter of how you actually connect these systems and and uh, for for uh, Aptus uh, for example this is a uh, quite quite welcome I would say because you are a big part of a best-of-breed strategy for companies that really want to centralize uh, the customer experience when it comes to search and personalization and recommendations and everything to support all the channels that you choose to build in this composable uh, architecture. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you can see in the market that uh, sometimes you see package solutions when you have all the composable parts already in place. And, uh, and that can be an offering that I guess can be convenient for the customer because here they have um, hand-picked things that should work together and, and maybe then a, a partner, implementation partner that are experts in those fields. Do you the, do the same or do you have another approach to, to that? I think we have a little bit of a different approach. Uh, to, first of all, we are not a product company and uh, don't uh, sell packages like that. Uh, we implement our partners' products where it creates value for our customers and, and it's more... Uh, a rule than an exception that the company that we work with already have something that disrupts a, a package like that. A uh, package is really good because you know you know what you deliver. You have done it several times, but all, we can also see that when when we are competing, we see that the customers are a little bit uh, hesitant to choose a package like that or something that we built because that makes them uh, locked in. Uh, so when they want to switch partner, for example, which of course never happens to us, uh, <laughs> but it feels that uh, it's, it's only us that, that knows this solution. And if they want to switch uh, providers, it, it's really hard because the other provider might not know this package of special solutions. So we try to build the technology as close to standard as possible so that it's easy for the customers to choose other parts. I think that too much packaging, uh, there's a risk of creating new monoliths in that, uh, that only one uh, provider knows and, and it's, it's hard for you to switch and it's also hard uh, to, to drive a really good composable, agile maintenance where, where one supplier knows everything and another one should come in and, and provide maybe an API to connect to that. Uh, so I think that most companies they, they should should own their solution a bit more 
than buying a full package. But it of course depends on the business case and, and the time to market that you want for your web shop, uh, for example. Yeah, you mentioned hard choices. Um, potentially hard choice would be to uh, choose your rapper name. So we have a hip hop theme for the show and we always ask the inconvenient question what you would be named as a rapper. So Philip, do you have something for us? Yeah, I really thought about this. <laughs> Uh, it, it's a really fun question and I think that um, part of my personal brand is, is uh, what you call in Swedish self-distance. I, I like to, to uh, joke about myself as well and, and I think that um, uh, I look a little bit like uh, Kalles Kavya. It's <laughs> like a, a, <laughs> a thing that you only eat in Sweden and there's a, a picture on that um, caviar uh, that looks a little bit like me or when I was young. Uh, so, so I chose the rapper name Lil Caviar. Okay, <laughs> that's great. That's great. I give you that. Yep. Thank you for that. Appreciate it. Let's get it. Radically smarter commerce. You wanna test AB on your PDP? From my point of view, it seems like the implementation partner and the one that are your advisor helping you with a solution becomes increasingly important when there is so many different vendors and solutions out there and especially if you should pick and choose and put something good together so what are your experiences from from rfp process and how they are handled generally by companies out there looking for a new e-commerce platform yeah i think that uh, i'm not uh, super objective here of course but i feel like uh, in in certain processes uh, companies go out and, and look for technology uh, everything from going out to three platform vendors to 20 platform vendors to look for new technology and then you have a short list and then you choose we want to go with this technology for our e-commerce uh, and then you make contact with the actual implementer that should implement this and if you have uh, super knowledge on your own uh, solution and you just need this technology to be implemented in this way course this worked but I think that us and, and our competitors are really really skilled uh, and especially those that have uh, experience in the actual industry that this company is in. Uh, I think you can get a lot more advisory and you can get a lot more good answers uh, that is not just okay we ask this company can you do this yes of course we can because we want to sell this product. I think that uh, the implementers and the consultants really can, can help you map this journey out and choose technology in a wise way, both for, for your budget, of course, but also to, to really have a certain place in your customer journey for this, this uh, specific technology. But what happens if they decide on an e-commerce platform that you haven't worked with? Are you off the table then? I think that you should should uh, build a relationship with your uh, digital consultant, consultants and some companies of course have several consultants uh, working in, in the same project but I think it's really good to have a, a trust, uh, trust uh, relationship which both benefit from where you can actually work with this solution together in a very agile way and, and then the technology will be important but it's not the most important thing. So what do you see right now in the market? Is there a lot of companies working towards modern commerce, uh, doing major projects, exchanging systems, and so on? Uh, I think it's still quite early on. Um, I think that 
uh, a lot of people uh, like us uh, need to get more familiar with the concepts and how you actually set this architecture. We have a, a few customers that have made this journey the past years or several years to build the way from a monolithic architecture to a more composable approach. And that has been really interesting and, and a lot of things has been learned uh, on the way. But I think the majority of the companies, uh, they, they, they are starting to get to know this. And I think the most important for us is to really talk to our existing customers how they can work with their solution that we have built for the, the past years and to start building towards uh, something new, um, which is not a rip and replace because companies are not interested in that. It's, it's a slow, like, not a slow process, but a process in steps to really go towards a more flexible, modular architecture. Yeah. Because you you can wonder you know from from uh, a while ago having a, a suite that could do everything was sort of a really good idea it seemed and and now we have gone to a, a way where everything should be decoupled and uh, you have all the opportunities in the world with that kind of approach and you wonder what's going to happen the happen in the next step step if it's going to go back a bit again you have been talking about hybrid as probably maybe uh, where we're going to land for a while at least but um, what do you think will we see now there is a lot of um, news when companies uh, go live with their new headless stack or so do you think we're gonna in a few years see other other type of uh, e-commerce place Everything becomes Shopify, suddenly Shopify becomes everything. Yeah, maybe. We never know what's around the corner with, with, the, with the big players, of course. But uh, we see that uh, a lot of companies that are, are leaders within e-tail and retail, they, they um, do more and more in-house. Uh, they, they build their own tech teams uh, with, with hundreds of, of uh, people that work with, with this. And... Um, uh, that is, of course, one way to go for, for certain companies, but it's, it's far from uh, every company that uh, that's suitable for uh, to build your own tech company. Uh, but but you, you get uh, maybe a little bit quicker when, when you, you own your own uh, development and, and only take uh, outsiders in uh, for, for certain, certain parts uh, that you don't have the competence for. So, so that's maybe one trend for certain uh, companies. It might also be that we, we, we see a consolidation again, that the creation of composable monoliths that, that, um, that with this new technology uh, companies package all of these technologies into one. And then we, we have some kind of a monolith again, even though it's actually decoupled. So one can only uh, speculate, but it's, it's exciting uh, anyway. Absolutely. History tends to repeat itself but it's uh, interesting for sure and uh, thank you so much Philip for being with us today uh, talking about composable commerce and the future of commerce and uh, see you around yeah thank you so much happy to be here talk to you later to be up to date with podcast related matters follow our LinkedIn page and if you want to participate in discussions or recommend topics and guests please join our Facebook group as well just search for Radically Smarter Commerce and you will find us and of course, if you want to contact me directly, you can always reach out on LinkedIn. My name is Thomas Sjöberg. 
You find the podcast on all platforms such as Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast and Acast, as well as at radicallysmartercommerce.com. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review if you like the podcast. It helps us find new listeners. And you can also follow Aptus at LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook and Twitter.